Hello, this is episode 212 and in it, I'm going to help you understand how to check your drawings during your design phase and know that you're getting the right amount and quality of information from whomever you're working with before you sign off your design and commit to it being fully documented in the next stage of your project. The design phase is a really important part of your project and far too often homeowners race through it for a combination of reasons. However, it's worthwhile taking your time in uh, the design phase at this point in your project so that you can really avoid some common mistakes that can happen during the design phase. Now remember, you can grab a full transcript of this episode, plus I've got other helpful links and resources about this topic. Uh, it's all in a free PDF download and you can grab that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 212. That's the numbers 212. So be sure to do that so that you can file it away and then review this episode as needed. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great, and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated, and empowered as you design, build, or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014. And it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home. One that works for you now and into the future one that is sustainable and affordable, and that helps you live a great lifestyle, both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with, and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now, before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. And that's project plan spelled P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. That's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. Take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop. And now let's get on with the episode. Here we go. I'm really looking forward to sharing some pointers with you so that you can have a better idea of how your design phase can work and what things you should be looking for in your design drawings. By going through this information, it will hopefully enable you to review the work that your designer is doing with some more confidence and also enable you to put yourself in a great position to give good quality feedback and be able to make informed decisions so that you can progress your project. 
First, however, I want to remind you how the design phase sits in your overall project journey so that you can have some clarity about the order of things. Because what I see for a lot of homeowners is that they work with designers who truncate their, surfaces, their services or who squeeze design in a shorter time frame as they race towards getting the design signed off and drawn. Or I see homeowners not understanding the value of taking time in the design phase, which it's a process that can take anywhere from three or so months to sometimes 12 months or even longer, depending on your project, the site, the council approval pathway, and the way that you and your designer work together. And in my experience, the three-month option, that only really works when you've got a super proactive designer, a really responsive and proactive client, and then a site with no complications in a fast-track approval process. So assume that it's going to take longer, okay, and let's talk about the project phases so you know what to expect. And you may have heard me talk about this before, but it's worth mentioning to frame the conversation that we're going to be having in this episode. So every project, regardless of its size, budget or location, needs to go through four phases. These four phases are one, pre-design, two, design, three, pre-build and four, build. Now, whoever you're working with and whatever structure you're using for your team and the way that you're running your project, you'll need to take it through these four phases. Let me give you a quick overview about what happens in each of these phases. So I want you to consider pre-design phase as the investigation phase. This is the phase where you learn what you need to know about your specific site, the rules that apply and the kind of team that you're going to pull together. And you set the framework for your project in its budget and overall direction. Time spent in the pre-design phase is really essential for understanding yourself, your wishes and wants, your site, your project journey, and the best way to move towards the home that you want to create. If you're struggling with how to get started on your project, my mini course, The Get Started Guide, it takes you through the first steps that any project needs to take, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, location or budget. And I'll pop a link to that in the resources. Now, next is the design phase, and this is where you start nutting out the design itself. This is where it can get really exciting as the preparation that you've done in pre-design actually starts to get tested and explored as floor plans are drawn up and ideas suggested and considered. And as your home design is being generated and improved, this is your opportunity to really ensure that it's going to deliver on the future lifestyle that you're dreaming of and that it also meets your budget and your overall goals. So if you're looking for some helpful resources for your home design specifically, of course, season two of the podcast is brilliant. It's called How to Design a Home, and each episode takes you through your home design room by room. I also have a really fantastic mini course called Happy Home Design. That's a great starter in your home design journey. And I'll pop links for both the season of the podcast and for Happy Home Design in the resources which you can get by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 212, the numbers 212. Now, after that is the pre-build phase, and that's about getting your ducks in a row before you start construction. This is a really great phase to ensure that you have all the details and the nitty gritty information in place before commencing construction on your project. It also includes any approvals that are required prior to construction, selecting your builder if you haven't been working one, with one during the design phase, and finalising as many decisions as you can prior to building. 
It also means getting yourself ready and informed for what the build phase will look like and ensuring that you're protected legally for your build as well. And this will include ensuring that you've got a great package of drawings and specifications that are going to help you control the outcome on site and ensure that you're going to get the home that you've been planning in your previous phases. I'm going to share more about how to check those drawings for construction in our next episode of the podcast. Another episode that's also useful to listen to for this phase of your project is episode 193 in the next step seasons of the podcast, which was season 13. And you can find that by going to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 193. And of course, my mini course, Choose Your Builder, that is, it's fantastic help with the important process of choosing the right builder to work with and knowing all the checks that you need to do and the questions to ask as well. So grab those links in the resources. Lastly, the build phase, which is where all the planning and preparation comes together on site. That's the last phase of your project. And this is a super exciting part because you see all the dreaming and planning and deciding really come together to create the physical floors, walls and roof of your future home. It can also be a stressful time, though, because when things do go wrong uh, or you're changing your mind, it can be really expensive and time consuming. Now, if you're looking at your build phase, please check out season seven of the podcast. It's got some really helpful resources because that whole season takes you stage by stage through the process of construction. And I'll pop that link in the resources as well. Now, this episode is going to focus on the drawings happening through the pre-design and the design phase and how to check them. And then in the next episode, I'm going to be sharing more about the drawings for the pre-build phase so you can have some knowledge to check your construction drawings with. Now, often I see people racing through the pre-design and the design phase and not really too worried about their drawings, uh, thinking that there's still enough flexibility and time in their project to make changes later if they need to. And when racing, homeowners will often miss out on exploring the available design options. The beautiful thing about home design is that there can be loads of ways to create the right result. And when you race through the pre-design and the design phases, you are prone to making mistakes that bring extra expense, time delays and big regrets. It's so important that you invest time into the pre-design and design phases to set up your whole project journey really well and actually ensure that your future home reaches its full potential for the budget that you have to spend on it. So don't race the pre-design phase or the design phase. Take your time, know the steps involved, work collaboratively with your team and do the work of understanding yourself your needs and the lifestyle that you envisage living in your future home. Learn about your site and your project journey so you can manage your risk, flesh out all the options and create the best strategy to achieve the full potential of your design on budget. Time spent in this phase pays huge dividends on a smoother construction phase, a lower stress project and a far better outcome in your future home. Okay, Now let's have a look at how architects and building designers can structure their packages of work through your design phase and your project overall. And this may vary based on who you work with, their individual processes. And so I'm going to speak generally about this. You'll find if you're working directly with a builder that the design phase may not be structured like this, but it's worth listening anyway so that you can see how the progression works and what you should expect to see as part of your design developing through that progression. So architects and some building designers will structure their workflow in specific stages and they'll also structure their fees based on this as well. These stages can look like preliminary or it can be called investigation or pre-design. 
Next is concept design. That also gets called schematic design or sketch design. Then there's design development, documentation, and then construction or contract administration, depending on the role that the professional is executing at that stage. Now, the designer or architect may include all of these in their fees, or they may bundle some of these together, or they may only provide partial services, and so I only mention a few of them. They may also pull out approvals as a separate stage in their fees, and they can also pull out tendering or tender review as a separate item. And post-construction can also be another separate item in their fee structure. Now, for architects and building designers, the design phase itself is going to incorporate the individual service bases of pre-design, concept design or schematic design, and then design development. And it can vary from designer to designer what they'll include in each of these stages of their fee and how they guide you through their process. So preliminary design and concept design or schematic design, these are the early stages of working with an architect or a building designer. And when your design is taking shape in the floor plans, elevations and the other drawings that are being prepared for you. And then design development is going to involve more detailed resolution. It's often where you'll start looking in more detail at finishes, interior elevations of kitchens and bathrooms, for example, and the more specific elements of the project because the designer is using design development to set themselves up to be able to fully document the project for construction in their next documentation phase. Now, as you move through into documentation, the designer or architect are going to be creating your construction or contract documentation or drawings. And I'm going to go through that part of the drawing process in the next episode. Remember, though, professionals can have a different way of doing things based on the nuances of their business, what they see work for their clients and the types of projects that they do. So really part of you learning from what I mentioned here and in the next episode is really about enabling you to have a more meaty conversation with potential designers before you hire them. This is about you being able to extract information from them about what their process looks like, what you can expect to be seeing them present to you and how they're going to guide you through the design process and then also what other information they might be providing in terms of three-dimensional models, walkthroughs and other things like that. Because what I really see is there's two big issues that happen for homeowners during the design phase when it comes to being presented with drawings, reviewing them, giving feedback and taking the next steps in their project. The first is, is that they're not presented with great quality drawings or drawings that give them great information about their future home, which can make it really difficult to sign things off. And it often happens when a designer is trying to truncate or uh, squeeze in their design services and speed through to documentation. Now, the second issue is that the homeowner themselves feels that things are still sketchy and all being worked out because it's the design phase. And so they don't invest the effort into getting really clear on their feedback or they're uncertain on how the design is developing and not really knowing what they're signing off or agreeing to. And they hold back waiting to be told when to dive into the details or give more specific feedback to their designer. So it's worth knowing that the whole idea of these stages with a design professional is to push and guide your project through a process of increased resolution. And there's going to be then things that are fixed in place as you do that. And that means that they can be difficult to undo or revisit them if you leave it too long in the process to make decisions on them or to give feedback on them. Now, if that sounds a bit confusing, I understand. But the thing to know about design 
is that once the general floor plan is, is in place, then the roof is going to be determined to a certain extent and the overall look of the home will be limited by what the floor plan is actually doing. So it's really important that you get your head into the game, even when you're just looking at the floor plan design and that you know that your feedback is impacting those other things as well. Don't worry about giving specific feedback when you feel general discussions are happening. Make sure that you do because it's ultimately up to the designer as the professional to moderate and manage that feedback. You just need to get it on the table. So let me start going through the things to be looking for in your drawings. And I think that, that this whole kind of conversation about feedback and what to be sharing and when will start to make more sense. Now, this list is not it's not exhaustive, okay, but it's going to give you some key things to know about what you should expect to see and what actually needs to be provided to you so that you can make some informed decisions about your home design as your design is developing. So remember too, we you can grab a full transcript of this episode. Plus, I've got other links that I've mentioned. I've been mentioning a few links here. I've got those all in a free PDF transcript and you can grab that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 212. That's the number 212. So be sure to do that so that you can refer back to this later and read through it as you needed. Now, before we go on with the rest of the episode, I just want to interrupt and share a fantastic resource that I was recently introduced to and have started using in my businesses. It's called Airwallets. That's A-I-R-W-A-L-L-E-X. And it's an Australian company that's totally disrupting the big banks and making transacting overseas much easier and much less expensive. Now, I know this isn't related to renovating or building specifically, but I also know that you may be sending money overseas, buying products online from overseas, or need an overseas bank account. And so this may be relevant for you wherever you're located. And you may also be a business owner like me, who is transacting overseas all the time for the products, services, and teams that you use. Now, I think any money that's saved is money that you can be investing in your new build or renovation project. So I wanted to share this with you because I have been loving using Airwallets. Being in online business, uh, I've got subscriptions to various software and systems and people that are based all over the world. And I've found that even when I'm being charged in Australian dollars, there's been an international transaction fee hidden in there or it's being charged separately on my account. And it's been costing my businesses big time. Airwallets charges a flat 0.3% on international transactions and 0.6% on overseas transfers and no other fees, no other fees. And their exchange rates are actually much higher than what I've been finding I've been getting through OFX and other online wiring services. Plus, you can actually have up to 250 digital card numbers, which means if you've got a recurring transaction with a particular company, you can actually contain the risk of that to one card number that you can control really easily. So for example, I had my Facebook ad account hacked earlier this year, and over $4,000 was spent on my card inside 24 hours. Now I cancelled it, I waited for a new card, and then I had to set up that card number on all of my other online transactions because they all had the cancelled card. It was a total pain. It took a lot of time and it caused a lot of stress. So Airwallets has totally fixed that for me now because I have a specific card number dedicated to my Facebook ad account only. And so I can then cancel that with a click of a button in my online dashboard and create a new one just as easily. 
Airwallex also interacts with accounting software. I've found the customer service experience has been incredibly outstanding. I can't recommend Airwallex enough. I actually thought it was too good to be true when I first found them and started um, speaking with them, but I did my research and they have totally delivered and they continue to do so. And I so, so love a good disruptor. Now, if you'd like to learn more about how they can help you, even if you're only doing small transactions overseas here and there, you can head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash save, that's S-A-V-E. I've got some more information for you there, plus a link there to set up a free account with Airwallex, which can be done really, really quickly. So that's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash save. And now back to the episode. Firstly, with any design drawings that you're being shown, ensure that they have a north point shown on them and that the north point is correct. This sounds like a small thing, but you'd be amazed. I know I am at how many drawings I look at that don't have a north point drawn on them. And more often than not, when they don't have a north point shown, the design itself shows little consideration for the movement of the sun specific to the orientation of that home. A designer who considers orientation as part of their design approach knows where north is and they put it on their drawings. Next, you want some type of title block showing the name of the drawing and ideally of the, the address of your site and also the drawing number and revision. Now, this can be quite loosely done during the design stage, especially if you're being presented with hand sketches. However, for document control on behalf of the designer, it's good that they do a title block and a number on your drawings in some way so that they and you can keep track of the options. And then you've got a good way of communicating which drawings you're actually referring to if you're speaking over email or on the phone to them about them. As part of this information, there should also be a scale bar or a scale on the drawings. So for example, it might say one to 100 at A3. And that means that when the drawing is on an A3 piece of paper, then one centimetre will represent one metre. Now, next at the beginning of the design phase, there should also be a level of investigation about the options available to your project. Whether this happens as part of pre-design exploration or it's the way your design phase actually kicks off, ensure that your designer is going to present you options simultaneously rather than present one design and then get your feedback and then present another. Because doing that one at a time method means that the design process is really limited and it's going to be very difficult for you to make informed decisions in. And it's also going to take a long time if you're keen to see and explore other ideas or keep pushing the designer for more. And it may also subject you to more fees as they share that they didn't factor in presenting more options to you. In the early stages of your design process, options are what you want to see. The thing is this. Now, I know that as a designer, as an architect, every time I draw a line on a page, I'm making a decision on behalf of the client that I'm working for. So showing options is great because it helps you then as the homeowner to not have to sit in that first meeting and say, well, did you think about this? Or, you know, what happens if we, if we move that there? And it also helps you to see where trade-offs might need to occur or where your priorities might need to be determined in order to get the overall home that you want. Now, depending on the project, I found that I would usually show three or so options to a homeowner at the outset of their design phase. These could be simple. They could sometimes even be diagrammatic in presentation, but they're really about illustrating what was possible if the floor plans are arranged in a specific way. They might not be drawn in a lot of detail, but they're great for demonstrating what is possible and what it meant for specific spaces and rooms to be arranged in certain ways on the site. 
getting that option exploration done early in your project, either through physical drawings or through other means that a designer might take you through, it's such an essential part of the design process. You want to know that the option you choose and continue to develop is the one you've chosen because it most closely meets your goals and your ideas for your future home, as well as fitting the site and the budget. You don't want to choose it just because it's the only option that you've been presented with. Now next, ensure that your floor plan is always shown on its site. What I mean by this is that it's shown how it sits in its position on your block of land with an indication of boundaries and setbacks. So this may be done in a separate drawing known as a site plan rather than on the individual floor plans themselves. However, it's important to understand right from the start how the proposed design will work in relation to the site boundaries, your neighbours, the street and any other features that you have on your site such as fences, trees and other things like that. Now if your site has any topography or slope, you're going to need to see some more information so that you have confidence this, is, this has been considered in the design. So I'm going to mention more about this in a minute. Always ask that your designer presents your floor plan with furniture drawn in it. If you have spe uh, special or specific items that you want your house to include, such as artwork or certain furniture, then give the details of these items to the designer as part of your initial brief and then ask them about, ask them, about them during the design process so that you know that they're shown and have a place to be in the designs being presented. Having furniture drawn in a floor plan, it's a key way to see how spaces are going to connect and feel, how circulation will work and how well the design is working overall. When designers actually work in CAD software, they're going to have library parts that include furniture, so it can be placed really easily. And even if you're reviewing hand drawings, furniture should be shown. You can't really make an educated decision about your design without the furniture being drawn in. Now, something to understand about how you'll most likely be presented information during the design phase is this. Often what happens is as a designer or an architect is working with a client is they'll only be showing floor plans at the outset and they'll be getting commitment from the client about the options that they prefer and what changes need to be made. However, a good designer will not draw a floor plan, even by hand, without having an understanding of how that floor plan will work and look as a three-dimensional home. So this is going to include the roof form and the arrangement of windows and doors. So I personally know that I could never present a floor plan to a client if I couldn't walk around it inside my head in three dimensions. If I didn't know how it was going to be roofed or how it would sit on the site and connect with the topography or slope of the site, to me, that meant the floor plan wasn't sufficiently resolved for me to be able to present it to the client as an option. And the thing is, if you have a sloping site, your designer will need to be designing in section, not just in plan. So what I mean by this is that they'll need to understand how your site is sloped, what that means for the levels on the site and the decisions that they'll make about how your, your house is going to sit on the site as a result. So even if you're only seeing floor plans, the designer is going to need to make decisions about windows and doors, roofscapes, levels, stairs, driveways and other elements in order to be able to present you a design that works. However, you may not get presented with all of that info in the early parts of your design process. And that can be tricky because you can be then in a place of assuming that everything's in hand and being thought about when it might uh, not be being thought about at all. The reason that you might not get to see it early on is because it can actually be really time consuming to create and that can mean chewing through fees on your project. And it can also be overwhelming for you to review as a client and that can ultimately confuse the process. 
So I personally often found it was better to present a design to a client first by showing them a few floor plan options about what was possible. And so each of those options might solve the brief in a slightly different way or have different budget impacts or be a different way of responding to the site conditions or the existing house if it was a renovation. Now, I'd know that how these options would work as a three-dimensional building, but I'd only be showing the floor plans, perhaps with some additional images, some photographs or something, uh, and even some small sketches to illustrate specific ideas, maybe some diagrammatic sections and things like that. But the focus is on getting commitment to the floor plan option that's preferred uh, and get feedback on how it might need to be changed. So the thing is, if you have a challenging site with a slope or tricky topography, you need to ensure that information is being included in your design drawings, even at floor plan stage, about how the design is going to sit on its site. So as I said, this could be simple section diagrams, actually showing how the general design is being arranged on the site, or it could even be done with indicative floor levels being shown on the floor plans themselves. Something though has to illustrate how your home is going to be sitting on the site itself so that you can make some decisions about it, such as, for example, the way that split levels are being arranged, the amount of stairs that you have in the house, or how far out of the ground it might sit so that you know how far above your site you're going to be and what that's going to mean for how the house is going to look and your connection with the landscape around. There is no point in you signing off a floor plan progressively if these things haven't been understood or tested. Any designer who's saying to you, oh, look, we'll worry about all those things later, is going to be a designer who'll potentially have to undo design work so that your home can actually be built. So push your designer on this. Ask them about this during your interview with them and then push them about this during the design phase if you're not seeing this information getting presented to you. Next is about windows and doors. So even at schematic or concept design stage, start looking at where windows and doors are being drawn in your floor plans and have conversations about the size of them, the position of them and how they operate. If you have specific requests for your windows and door types in terms of how you want them to open or how big you want them to be, then tell your designer. Review your floor plan design for how and where windows are being positioned and whether it's gonna give the light, the views and the connection that you're seeking. And look at how rooms are going to be furnished so that you know windowsill heights are where they need to be. Now, if you don't want restricted openings on your windows on your upper floor levels, then have that conversation with your designer so that they know window arrangements uh, need to be a certain way before drawing up the exterior of your home. Then as you start to see elevations turning up in your design phase, you can review these things in more detail so that you can ensure that your windows and doors are as you wish them to be. Now next is dimensions and areas. So ensure that your design drawings indicate the overall sizes of rooms and the area of the home. If you listen to my interview with Anthony Martin of MRT and Architects in episode 207, and you can find that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 207, you'll have heard us talk about the exercise he takes his clients through to establish the overall intended area of the home and what that means for the budget. And even if you're working with a builder and a designer using the PAC process or the Paters Consultant process that I talked about in episode uh, 201 to 205, the early parts of your design phase are going to be about agreeing on a budget and on a cost per square metre based on comparative projects, because that then sets the maximum size for your floor plan. So you want to be seeing your designer 
drawing and putting area calculations on your design drawings each time you're reviewing new options or looking at another review. Now, ideally, it can be broken down into lower and upper floors, you know, garage, external covered space, things like that, with a total that tallies it all up. Because that way, you're going to be able to see how the layout might be changing uh, the overall area, and if you're going to be sneaking things up in size, and where you're sneaking it up in size as well. Each of the spaces in your home as well should have the size indicated. So this can be through using dimension lines on the drawings or notes written on the plan itself showing the width and the depth of each room in the floor plan. Or you can have both. Now, of course, the drawings should be done to scale so that you can measure off the size. However, having it written on the drawings itself within the rooms, that can be, uh, and through dimension lines, that's certainly a faster way to be able to review the design and a much more effective one. Get out the tape measure once you see those dimensions and those sizes and get a feel for the sizes of your rooms in your design at one-to-one. This is a really great way to see if they're sufficient or they're going to be too big for your needs. Inside my flagship program, The Home Method, and I've also got it inside my DIY floor plan design course, The Home Design Masterclass, I've actually got recommended dimensions for each of the spaces and rooms in your home based on my experience doing this for over 25 years. So that resource is there for members and members find it really helpful. Now, next, check that the kitchen design is going to work for the plans that you have for it in the design phase, okay? So many designers, they'll actually conceptually allocate a space and a layout for the kitchen during the design phase, but then they'll delay the detail resolution of the layout and the positions of appliances and things like that until they move into design development or even documentation. Or you may find that a designer is not even including at all. They're just nominally drawing your kitchen layout and then they're leaving that to all be outsourced to an interior designer or a kitchen designer or even to be dealt with in your conversations with your builder when they involve your joiner. Now, kitchen layouts are actually informed by what you want to put in them and how you want those things arranged. Uh, Check out my Kitchen Design Challenge mini course, uh, and I'll pop a link for that in the resources to help you with this. It's a really inexpensive program that really enables you to work through in detail how to think about your appliances and all the other inclusions that you might want in your kitchen, and then to ensure how the layout's going to work for your family. And I've got in there layouts that do work for families and don't work for families. You know, when you get that understand, understood as part of your briefing to your designer, that means that then you can see the kitchen being drawn properly into your floor plans during the design phase and you're actually getting the space that you need and the layout that you need. Otherwise, what you'll find is that you're then going to be squeezing a kitchen design into a fixed area in your floor plan down the track and it rarely goes well, leaving it like that. Now, if you're renovating, your design drawings should show where demolition is occurring in your existing house so that you can know how much of your existing home is being demolished. And that should be shown during the design phase. I also want you to read any notes that are turning up on your drawings uh, to check if they're relevant to your project. Particularly when working in CAD, designers can use standard sets of notes that they apply to all of their projects. They might just have a standard cover sheet that they put on your drawings and they can overlook editing them to ensure the accuracy for each individual project. So have a review of those and pick up anything that doesn't apply to your project. Also know as well that your design phase is not just about your floor plans. So I've mainly gone through floor plan issues here, but you should also be getting presented with site plans, elevations, sections, and even roof plans. Now they don't need to be perfectly resolved at this stage. However, seeing them is going to be necessary for you to have a total picture of your home and how the floor plan is driving what your home is going to look and feel like in three dimensions. 
Now, your designer may present this information to you through other means other than drawings. They might have SketchUp models that they present to you or other more sophisticated 3D CAD renders and walkthroughs. I've even seen some designers do 3D printed models or even hand make models during the design phase to illustrate how the design is working in three dimensions and how it's sitting on the site. It's really worthwhile having the conversation with any designer or architect that you're interviewing, how they're going to take you through this process, what information and drawings they're going to be showing to you and when they're going to be showing them to you. Now, as I said up front, this is not an exhaustive list of things to check, but I hope it really gives you an indication of what you can and you should be reviewing as your design uh, is being presented to you. And more important, I think, is and what I hope it can show you is that even though it's the design phase and it might still feel early in your project, it's still a time to be having your home explained to you sufficiently so that you can make informed decisions about whether the design is going to be achieving your goals for your future home. And in that, in understanding this, that you're going to be able to choose a designer who will have a process and a method for really describing your design to you. You know, they may be able to see it all in their head, but it's pointless unless they can get that into a format that enables you to visualize what it's going to be like to live in once it's built. And so that means seeing a site plan, floor plans with furniture and layouts described in your kitchen, in your bathrooms, presentation material that describes the exterior, such as elevations or digital or physical three-dimensional models, presentation material that describes the overall form and the connection to site and also the interior volumes. So you might be seeing sections or computer generated interior renders or walkthroughs, a roof plan, or again, it might be 3D CAD model or render showing you what that's looking like. And then there can be discussions and representation of material choices, especially if the buildability and budget of your home is going to be driven by those choices. You want to be seeing information about that in the design phase. You know, without these things, you are not really in a position to make the best decisions that your design is right for you. And you can't and you shouldn't move into documentation without having confidence that the design is right for your needs, your goals, and definitely your budget. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to share more information on how to check your drawings during the pre-build phase and review the documentation that's being prepared for your construction. I hope you found this super helpful. Remember as well, you can grab a full transcript of this episode. Plus, I've got all of the links and resources that I've mentioned. It's all bundled up in a free PDF download and you can get that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 212. That's the numbers 212. So be sure to do that and then you can have that on file and you can review it as you need to. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.